1 Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 6. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptation, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. When we take an opportunity to think about these verses, what we see there very quickly, very obviously, is Peter talking about problems. Problems. In verse 6, when he talks about manifold temptations, that's another way of saying many troubles, many problems. We all have problems. And we need to realize and understand that those problems, they have a purpose in our life. Do you remember a time in your life when you may have thought, if I only had more money, if I only had a nicer car, if I only had a better job, if I only had a, a bigger house, if I only had, and you fill in the blank, and that could be anything in that blank. And you felt like if you had that, life would be good and there would be no more problems. And I sincerely believe that everyone has been down this road to some degree. I know I have. I'll be honest with you tonight. I've been down this road where I have said to myself, if I only had this, then life would be good and there would be no more problems. But you know what I realized? I was wrong. If we look tonight and we watch the wealthy people on television, the, the multi-millionaire athletes, the movie stars, all of the big businessmen, they have all of the money that they could possibly spend. They have more money than their families are ever going to spend. They have the nicest cars and the biggest homes. They have every material possession that a person could want, but they still have problems. They have problems with relationships. They have problems with drugs and alcohol. They have problems with domestic violence. They have all kinds of problems in their lives. Material possessions do nothing to relieve problems. And that's something that we as, we as humans, we as people, we don't have an opportunity to really realize that at times. We get so wrapped up in the problems that we're dealing, we think that material things are going to help us. If we get what we want, we've discovered really soon that we've replaced the problems with something different or we've added to them. We never... We never reduce those problems. Problems become a part of life. That's something we have to realize and understand. 
Problems become a part of life. It doesn't matter what we do or where we do, we're going to be faced with them. And they're going, we're going to be faced with them as, both, as either a Christian or a non-Christian. There is a fallacy, uh, a lie, if you will, that goes around right now that tells folks that if you become a Christian, you're not going to have a problem anymore. That's a lie. Christians have problems just like non-Christians do. Christians have just as many problems. There might be different problems, but Christians have problems just like non-Christians do. Now, when you are saved and born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, those problems look different than they do if you're not saved. There's hope in Jesus when you have him, but nonetheless, those problems are still there. How we handle those problems, though, determine how, will determine how our future is going to be shaped by them. Things that you're faced with tonight, things that I'm faced with tonight, problems in our lives are going to shape our future. How we let that happen is up to us. You play a role. You have a role in that. Whether they, whether those problems become great big problems or whether they become little problems, maybe something you can't control. But how you let it affect you will determine how it shapes your future. If you let God into your life, if you let Jesus control and take over your life, if you let Jesus love you and come alongside of you and into your heart, not a preacher, this preacher can't do anything in that aspect for you. I can't do anything about that in my life. But Jesus can. Jesus may not take my problems away, but Jesus will make a way for me to live with them. And he will make my future brighter because of those problems. He will do that in your life too. And that's what I want us to look at tonight. I want us to look at the idea and the thought from God's word that problems have a purpose in our life. The first thing I want you to see from verse 7 is that when handled properly, our problems will increase our faith. Now Peter is speaking to Christians. He is speaking to those people who have been saved, they have been born again, and he wants to give them some encouragement. So the first thing I want you to realize tonight is that if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have nothing to base faith on. We can say I have faith in myself, but what does that really get us? What does it really get us if we say the only thing we have faith in is ourselves? Now, men, we have a tendency, all of us do, to say that, you know, I don't need anybody. I can take care of it on my own. I've always been my own man, and I've always took care of my own problems. And that's good. That's commendable to a point. But there's only so much that we can do. Only so much that we can do. We can be as determined as we want to. We can be as confident in ourselves as we want to. But unless we have the moving of God through Jesus Christ in our life, we have nothing to base our faith on. So with that, for faith to increase, 
we must have it established as Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. For our faith to increase, we have to have Jesus Christ. We're coming up on Easter. Next Sunday, I will have a traditional East message that I will bring. But that's one day out of the year. Jesus is with us daily. If we know him as our Lord and Savior, it doesn't matter if we were a seven-year-old and we accepted Jesus in vacation Bible school when we were a kid, if that was genuine and real and you remember doing that and you know in your heart that it was true, you're just as saved today as you was then. The bad decisions in life, the bad you may have been dealt a bad hand in life. Circumstances that you put in your put yourself in, they may have come into your life and maybe the devil has told you that you're not saved anymore and that God doesn't want you. Don't you believe that? If you know in your heart and life that you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, have faith in Him. He still cares for you. He still loves you. He's got a purpose in your life. And the problems that you deal with in life have a purpose in bringing you to Him. For faith to increase, it must be trusted. You have to trust Jesus. If you're going to have faith in him, you have to trust him. He's not here, you're not going to physically see him. You will know he's here in your heart and in your life because of his presence, but you've got to trust that. The Apostle Peter, during the time immediately before, during, and after the crucifixion, he was in the presence of Christ in the, in the upper room and they were having the Lord's Supper. And Jesus told Peter that you're going to deny me three times. Peter said, no, not me. Jesus said, yes, you will. Peter did exactly what Jesus told him he was going to do. And what happened to Peter? Peter convinced himself that he was no longer worthy to be considered one of Jesus' disciples and apostles. So Peter said, I'm going to go back to what I was doing. I'm going to go back to fishing. And he went back to being a fisherman. Now being a fisherman is a fisherman. Even in the first century when this was going on, it was, it was a rough life and it was a rough group of people that Peter was running with. But he went back to his old ways of doing things. After the resurrection Jesus came to Peter. Jesus was on the shore. He had built a fire and he was cooking some fish one morning. Peter was out on the boat. And he could see the shore and he could see somebody on the shore motioning him to come in. Well, as Peter started getting closer, he realized who it was, that it was Jesus. And Jesus was motioning him to come on in. Well, Peter didn't hesitate. He jumped out of the boat and he swam to shore. And he got there and he reunited Jesus. The moral of that story and the point that I want to get across to you tonight is Peter realized that nothing he could do could really separate him from the love of God and the love of Jesus in his life. And there's nothing that you can do and I can do that will separate us from that either. If we know Jesus and Jesus knows us, 
We're not going to do anything to separate it. We might get out of fellowship with him like Peter did because we chose to move. But God still loves us. God still loves you tonight. Trust him. Trust the Lord to increase your faith. And also for faith to increase, it's got to be practiced. That means that we have to put it into play daily in our life. When we when we are finished here with our meeting tonight, and in the morning when we all get up and we start our day, we have to practice our faith. What in your what's going on in your life tomorrow that you know you're going to be challenged with? Put it in the hands of God and let your faith take over and let Christ have it. You may get a good outcome, you may get a bad outcome. But in either case, if you hand over to Christ and you let him keep it and you give it to him, he's going to always have it. And while the situation may not look any better for you, you will have a peace and a comfort that will get you through it. It reminds me of the story of Daniel in the fiery furnace. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Bible? The king the king was going to tell him, you had to tell him, you have to bow down before me. And they were saying, no, we won't do it. And the king said, well, we'll just throw you in the furnace. So he told him to stoke the furnace up to many times hotter than it was ever been before. And they threw the three into the fiery furnace. And then the king looks over and he says, did we not throw three in the fiery furnace? I see four walking and the fourth one looks like the son of man. Christ did not keep them from being thrown into the fire. But he did go with them through the fire. And when they came out on the other side, they didn't even smell like smoke. That's what the Bible tells us. What I want you to understand is for us to practice our faith. Sometimes God may let us go through the fire of life but he will go with us if we will let him. But we have to practice our faith just like they practiced their faith. They didn't turn away from God. They didn't say, no, you know, if, we, if it means having to bow down, we'll bow down before we'll go. They didn't. They stayed true. They stayed faithful. They practiced their faith. And God went with them. And not only did he go with them, he led them through it. Sometimes in life, God will let us go through fire, but he will go through it with us if we practice our faith. And number two, when handled properly, our problems are going to lead us to rejoicing. Notice verse eight. Verse eight has got that word rejoice in there. Now, when we think about rejoicing, we think about celebrating an outcome, don't we? This past year when New England won the Super Bowl, at the end of it, they were rejoicing. The Rams were not. This coming fall, when the teams go into the World Series, one will win, one will lose. The winner will be rejoicing, the loser will not. We, we relate rejoicing to celebrating an outcome, don't we? Well, the Bible tells us that rejoicing doesn't always look that way. In this passage in particular, Peter talks about 
gold being refined by fire. I don't know how much you know about that process, but with gold and silver both, it's heated and it's melted to a temperature, and when it gets so hot, the, the impurities in it float to the top, and then they're scooped off and they're thrown away. And when they get it all cleaned up, it's heated up some more, and some more impurities come to the top. And they keep doing that over and over again and again till they get the purest gold or the purest silver they can. It's called dross. What Peter is saying is that during those times in life when problems seem to be getting us down, we're being refined, just like the gold and the silver is being refined. We have fire that is being built under us and the impurities of it are being brought, and we ought to be rejoicing in that fact that God is bringing out the impurities in us and the things in our life so that we can be refined to live a better life for Him. There is things to rejoice about in our problems and in the troubles that we face. Number one, we ought to rejoice when sin is revealed in our life. Now that may sound like a pretty strange comment, but when we know, when God reveals to us through problems that we have failed in some way, we ought to be thanking God for that. We ought to be thanking Him for, for, for loving us enough to show us. There's a word in the Bible that's been preached a lot and rightfully so. It needs to be preached more. It's called repentance. Repentance from sin means turning away from sin. It doesn't mean just saying, yes, I've made a mistake and I'm sorry. It means walking away from it and saying, that is sin and I don't need to be doing it and I'm not going to go there anymore. I'm going to walk away from it. That is repentance of sin. And the Bible teaches us that repentance is one of the most beautiful words there is in all of Scripture because we have an opportunity to repent. When God shows us something in our life that is not right with Him, that is sin in His eyes, we've got an opportunity to turn around and walk away from it. God's grace and God's mercy is being shown in our life daily by allowing us that opportunity. We ought to rejoice when God shows us sin in our life and we ought to repent from it, thank Him for doing that, and move on with a closer walk and a closer relationship. Also, we can rejoice when problems reunite us with loved ones. Problems have a tendency to separate families and relationships. They have a tendency to separate us from people that we love and people that love us. But they also will do one thing. Problems will allow us to reunite. If we do the first one, if we allow those problems to show our sin and we repent of that sin, then it will allow us to reunite with those people that, has, that it has separated us with. God loves the family. And God loves the relationships of the family. And God wants to put all of that back together and, and establish and reunite those relationships. And God can do that if we will let him. Next, we can rejoice when problems separate us from a dangerous or a destructive situation. How often have we found ourselves in trouble because we have behaved dangerously or destructively when we've made bad decisions? 
We may have gotten too heavily involved in alcohol. Maybe it was drugs. Maybe we allowed a bad temper to get in the way and we got, we got rough. We got too rough. We got too rowdy. When we realize that, we've got an opportunity for that problem to reunite, to fix us, to let us get back to where God wants us to be. That's something to rejoice about because the problem that we're in has separated us from that situation. Now here's the thing. Are we going to willfully go back into something we know is dangerous? Something we know is troublesome and destructive? Are we going to go back into that or are we going to walk away from it? If we're celebrating and we're rejoicing in God and we're rejoicing in the honesty and the truth of what he's showing in our life by bringing those impurities to the top, we're going to thank him and we're going to rejoice in those problems because those problems have shown us something that we need to avoid and something we need to stay away from. Also, we can rejoice when problems humble us. It's really easy for us to get an attitude or an ego where we think we're it. Where we really think that we've got all the answers. We're the man. Nothing gets by me. And it's easy for us to walk around carrying that boastful attitude in our heart and in our lives. But what happens when God humbles us? when God shows us that we're not in control? What happens to us when God tears us down and takes us down a notch or two? We can become bitter. We can become angry. We can point a finger at God and we can complain to Him. Or we can fall upon our knees and we can thank Him for bringing us to a point of realizing he is still in control. We don't have any control over anything in life. God, however, is sovereign. God created this earth. God created everything on it. God created you and I. We are, we are his handiwork. We don't have the opportunity to take the next breath were it not for the grace of God. When we realize that and we become humbled by it, it gives us something to rejoice over because we realize that we are the handiwork of God and that we are here because of His grace and mercy and we become thankful for that. We rejoice in it. Problems also lead us to a closer walk with Jesus. Here's the situation with that. Have you ever been to a spot where you had a problem in your life and you've taken it and you've turned it over to the Lord? You've heard preachers say, bring your problems to the Lord and leave them with the Lord. And you do that. But then when things get a little hotter, a little heavier, a little more difficult, you want to pick it up and take it back and you want to try to fix it yourself. That's what we shouldn't do. That's the hard part of giving things to God is leaving them with Him. That's what He wants us to do though. God wants us to give Him these problems that we have and let Him keep them. 
That doesn't mean we won't remember them. That doesn't mean we won't think about them. That doesn't mean we won't worry about them. But it does mean that we'll be able to rejoice in the fact of knowing that God has full control and ownership of them and whatever he decides to do with them, we know that he is going to lead us through that situation. Just like he led Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego through the fiery furnace. Just like he led Peter back to Jesus. Just like he has led the Apostle Paul through all the prisons that he was imprisoned over. Whatever it was, if we leave it with God and once we give it to him, they, those problems may be there, but God will lead us through them. And that's something to rejoice about tonight. Number three, when handled properly, our problems result in a stronger resolve and a stronger commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. When we look at our faith and we let problems grow our faith like we talked about earlier, and when we allow problems to let us rejoice and to point us to God and the work that he's doing in our life, and we rejoice and learn and grow in that aspect, what happens in the end result is we get closer to God. We get closer to him and he gets closer to us. One last illustration from the scripture. Maybe you remember the story of the prodigal son. In Luke, that, that story is an illustration of this entire message. You have a son that gets really proud and boastful and he wants all of his inheritance before his father dies. So his father takes that, everything that he's got and he divides it up between his two kids and he gives it to them. And the younger one takes it and he runs off. He takes off to town and he's living it up. He's got friends that he never imagined he would have. People love him as long as he's got that money to spend. He was arrogant. He was egotistical. He thought he was it. He was the man. Then God humbled him. When all of that was done and all the money was spent, all of the friends went away. When all the money was gone, all the popularity went away. Nobody would give him as much as a meal to eat. He had to go eat with the hogs. While he was there, it dawned on him and he actually rejoiced in the fact of saying, even my father's servants have, better, have a better life than what I've got. I'm going to go back home and I'm going to apologize to my father. And I'm going to see if he'll let me be a servant. So he took that humility and he went back home. And what happened? His father saw him coming. And his father ran to him. Now that doesn't sound like a lot today. But in that day, it was something, it was humiliating for a parent to run to their child. Their child was to run to them. But here the father comes and he runs to the son and he welcomes him back. The relationship has been reunited and restored. Rejoicing and celebration. And the father says, kill the fatted calf and, and let's make a party and a dinner and let's celebrate the coming home of this son of mine. And they do. 
And it's a joyous occasion. The relationship there has become stronger and the commitment of the son to the father has become stronger. The problems that the prodigal son faced in his life brought him to that closing relationship that was stronger than it ever was before. That's what can happen in our life when we allow problems to have a purpose and let God be in control of what's going on. We can have that stronger relationship in the end. That's what he wants from us. He wants our faith to be stronger. He wants our resolve and our purpose to be stronger. He wants our testimony to be stronger. He wants our lie to be pure. He wants our commitment to be there. That's what he wants in your life and that's what he wants in my life. But here's the point when we all come down to the conclusion. Problems are teaching tools. They're teaching tools. Are we going to be teachable? Teaching is a two-fold process. You have to have a teacher and you have to have a student. The teacher has to be willing to teach and the student has to be willing to learn. We're all students of problems. Are we going to be teachable? Are we going to let God have his way in our life? Are we going to let God teach us what he wants to teach us? Will he be able to teach us to follow Jesus? Either follow him as Lord and Savior by asking him into our heart and life or or will we, follow, will we allow him to teach us to follow him closer daily? Like that prodigal son. Either way, he wants us to follow him. But will we allow that? Will we come to him? That's a choice we have to make. That's a decision we got to make. God's standing there right now with his arms outstretched saying, come home. Are we going to do that? That's where we stand. If we say yes, the problems in life are going to make us stronger and they're going to give us a better commitment to Jesus, a better commitment to God. So what are we going to do tonight? What will we do? So as we close, if you're not committed to Christ, if you've never been saved, I want to invite you to invite Jesus into your heart and life tonight. I want you to, I want to invite you to ask him to save your soul. To, to have that commitment. God wants you to be a child of his. He wants to adopt you into his family. He wants those problems that you're facing to have a purpose. And to do that, you have to have that relationship with him. And if you already have that relationship, I want to invite you to renew that relationship tonight. To allow it to become stronger. And I'm getting ready to close in prayer. And as I do, if you want to ask him into your heart, if you want to ask him for those things, you feel free to do so. If you're not really sure how, then let me know after we're done. And I'll be glad to show you. I'll be glad to take the Bible and I'll be glad to show you what the Bible says. And I'll be glad to talk with you about what the Bible says. 
about accepting Jesus or about renewing that walk with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time that we have shared tonight. Thank you for the word that you've given. Lord, I pray that you would take it and apply it to our hearts and I, I pray that it will accomplish everything you've purposed it to do. Now, I pray that you'll take care of these men. In the week to come, I pray that you'll touch their hearts and their lives and you'll strengthen their resolve and bring them all closer to you in either a saving relationship or in a revived relationship, whatever is needed. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.